0: This is Digital Leaders and my name is Fabian Tausch. I'm the founder of Digital Leaders and the Young Entrepreneurs Program, which is a one-year mentoring program for the most talented young entrepreneurs in Europe aged 17 to 23 years old. And Digital Leaders is the show where I interview the digital leaders of today to educate you, the digital leaders of tomorrow, and give insights from personalities that might not be that easy to reach or experts in certain fields or in positions that are just very interesting to pick their brain from. And today's guest is the managing director in Germany and Austria from Salesforce. And he's working quite closely with the US and the founders. Of course, he joined Salesforce 12 years ago and built the whole German market. And what I think is very interesting is that he, of course, can deliver a lot of insights for everybody who wants to tap into the German market or wants to understand it because he is only focusing on it. And he has a very interesting backstory that he will tell you in a second and a lot of great insights on how Salesforce is structured and why it differs from other larger companies and how they became successful. So please welcome Joachim Schreiner. Here is the podcast interview. Welcome to the Digital Leaders Podcast. My name is Fabian Tausch and today I'm sitting here in Munich at the top floor of a really cool building which we might explain a bit in a, in a second or I will put in a photo uh, in the description because I'm at Salesforce today and my guest is a very interesting person. I met him the first time during the Salesforce base camp in Berlin, but the conditions to record an interview were not perfect. So we decided I will I will stop by in Munich and we will do it again. And when we talked the first time, it was so interesting to gain some insights into the company and how Salesforce works because for me as a 22-year-old um, person, boy, man, however, is very hard to see a bit more of the details, how it works, what's happening, both um, companies, how it, how they approach different topics. And so I'm more than happy to have Joachim Schreiner here, more managing director of Germany at Salesforce. I always uh, confuse if I mess something up, but welcome very much uh, to the podcast. Thanks for taking the time.
1: Thank you, it's
0: a pleasure being here. So now you're the managing director for Germany at Salesforce. But the first question I always have in mind is, how did this start? So how was your journey to get into the position where you are today?
1: Well, that is a, that's a long story. I don't know whether we have that time. Uh, as you can see, I'm a bit aged, um, so long history. But in general, I decided after school and um, that I was fascinated by mathematics and I want to do something with math and didn't read the description of the job clear enough I ended up with a company that was building programmers, IT programmers instead of mathematics. Got the education there. Through some of the steps, I found out programming is nice, but I like to talk to people. So I've moved from programming to uh, educating people and to uh, advise people. And over certain steps, I ended up with sales. And then um, um, switched from a few companies, becoming a manager. Um, and the last step was an acquisition for a company that I didn't felt well. It wasn't the. It's a great company, but not my culture. So I decided that I have to leave. And someone called me. And said, "How about having fun again?" I said, "This is a good thing." And I went there for an interview. They decided it's okay. So started this is probably 13 years ago now, so until I f- finally started, it's probably 12 and a half years ago, uh, arriving at Salesforce, running a very, very small team. Yeah? A lot of people were surprised because my former responsibility were by far larger. I had a team of 100 and a responsibility of maybe probably 100 million, and I started here with a very small team of three people. You know? So um, that was the time when I learned that My personal values are important. You have to find alignment between company's values and your values in order to enjoy working at a company. Um, And and fun is important to me. That's what I found out there. So I was more than willed to reduce responsibility, even reduce salary, to enjoy going to work again.
0: So that's, in a short
1: form, a pretty long way.
0: So you mentioned that you found out about uh, values and the fun aspect and everything else. Is there is there more that you learned about yourself in the last, let's say, in the last five years, maybe, at in your position at Salesforce? Obviously,
1: yes. Yeah, this, this company is growing and uh, to a point that we are big enough to take responsibility for society. At the same time, my kinder, my my kids, my, my children, are growing up. And and they're giving me feedback on how the next generation wants to be treated. And um, I I think the the journey I'm on for the last 12 years is going a bit away from this egocentric, I need to do career into, I have to build a company, a great company for the next generation. And and that's what, what comes up more and more over the last period as my kids grow, as We struggle to get enough talents on board. This company is growing. We were probably doubling our employee size in the next 30 months, which means, yeah, more or less, we hire two persons per day. Uh, Where do I get those people? Um, How do I make this company attractive? And, And probably most important, how do I make sure that I don't lose people? Because attrition would be the worst thing to me in a growth path to get people uh, going away.
0: How do you approach this topic? I wanted to come to this a bit later, but now you mentioned it already and I will I will focus on it for now. How do you attract talent and how do you try to be different or at least very attractive to young people and talent? Um.
1: Interesting this questions and I had a, a panel discussion probably two weeks ago about the same topic. And there was a, a, someone presenting in front of me talking about employer branding and how how do you approach social channels in order to attract people. And as I agree that multi, being, being multi-channel is very important, I said this for me is second priority. First priority is that the people that work for me are happy so that they build the employer brand, so that they recommend people. 50% of the people that we hire coming from recommendations of our existing folks. So my first task is making sure that those people that we already attracted, that they stay, that they feel engaged, that they are an employee ambassador, that they are proud of working for Salesforce so that in their community, They get interest. They get interest. Their friends joining us. That's that's the first thing, and that's where we spend a lot of time, efforts, making sure our employees are engaged with the company. Um, Second thing, hiring is a sales job. Yeah. So what you do is you check your addressable market. You look where you hire. You look where your competition hires. You look for open areas that you can address new addressable markets Um, you find out that if you are focused to one market only kind of if you only hire 40 year old white men your addressable market is pretty small and secondly your the results that you're getting are very limited because you don't have any diversity people are all thinking the same mind having the same mind thinking the same way suggesting the same solution problems uh, problem solution um so that's important that we address very different uh groups of people whether this is male female whether this is young people old people whether this is disabled whether this is newcomers i learned that we're not talking anymore about refugees we're calling them newcomers um all of those people are a pool for me and I have to make sure that I'm getting an unfair share of each pool. And I have to make this company attractive to each of the pools. At the same time that this company has to be attractive for lookalikes than me, it has to be attractive for lookalikes than you. And, 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 and some, some of that is marketing, a bit more than marketing. Um, in order to get young people, I've taken a young talent, a young lady, and claimed her to be my CMO, my chief millennium officer. So she's in charge of transforming and translating my communication to you guys, so that this company is becoming attractive to you, that our communication is using the right words, is using the right channels in order to reach out to the right
0: addressable market, to say
1: in a sales word.
0: The woman that you mentioned, she was your executive assistant before, right? So for you, it's a lot about developing people and developing uh, the people that work for you. Um, Do you have a, not like, not a playbook how to do it, but what do you do and how do you figure out what the people want and how they want to develop and how can you ensure or enable them to do so? this is this,
1: I, don't, I don't know to know what, what they do yeah um, what I
0: know is I have to hire
1: people that I can learn something from. I need to hire people that are in the best case have an area of experience where they're better than me so that I can learn and in order to get those people I have to give them an attractive offer. So especially young people that already in their age, have more experience in a topic than me are difficult to get so i have to offer them something and my offer is that they can join me for i don't know two years three years whatever it is uh, enjoy the capabilities of being part of my network of seeing how we drive a company how we manage a company how we manage relationship with customers and during that time we'll find something that this person develops interest in so you were talking about my former EA um, and and she developed interest into um, communication and finally she decided that a job in marketing where it goes around communication is the right thing and next step for her so that's where she is now still being my CMO and making sure that my communication is is using using right channels
0: so it's also about um, them to discover and, and give them the space to discover what they want and show them around, and then over communicating what could be the next step.
1: I think this is extremely important when you're talking to young talents. They obviously don't have the experience to to know what could be good to them and what could be really enjoyable work. So part of the of the two three years is test, try, find out. Yeah, find the one thing or the two thing or the three things that. That could really be helping you to stay engaged, yeah, to to enjoy coming to work at the same time enjoy um, your lifetime. Um, but this this combination
0: um, and to offer the opportunity to test a couple of things. So how does Salesforce differ from other companies, or is that attractive?
1: Um, Salesforce, at its own, is different because of its values. I think. Um, We are a value-driven company. We have a strong vision. We have a strong culture. Um, And and that together is making us outperforming the market. Um, We have trust as our number one value. And we would never, ever uh, try to do something untrustful. Uh, We have customer-centricity as our value. Customers are very much in our in our focus. And since a couple of, I don't know, month quarters, i have start talking about the two different customers that I'm having. The one that pays me and the one that I pay, which formerly were called employees. But basically, they're both on the same journey. Yeah. A lot of people in the industry talk about the customer journey, where you find out where a customer is in regards to your brand, and then you develop a personalized journey in order to make the customer an, a very loyal customer. The same thing needs to be happening with the employee. I need to know where's the employee in, in regards to my brand, and then develop a personal story to make this employee a brand ambassador. So... Customer centricity is, is something that is very important. It includes employee centricity. Innovation, Yeah, this company has been named at least eight out of 10 last years being the most impo- uh, innovative company of the world or number two by Forbes. And innovation drives a lot of young people. It drives a um, hype for people to join a company that is innovative. And then we have this important um, value of equality that we believe, regardless of age, sex, um, religion, whatever, everybody has the same opportunity, and everybody get the same payment for the same job. Um, Those values are driving a very, very strong culture. And at the same time, um, that's been Combined with a very successful, successful company, fast-growing company, it's also something that attracts people. So that helps a lot. Combination of good product and good culture, with a vision um, where we want to be in five years. Where do you want
0: to be in five years?
1: Look, I've said for Germany, um, maybe five years is a bit short, but in five. In you can
0: also go to ten or fifteen. Yeah, uh, I have a clear vision
1: that Salesforce.com Germany will be the largest software company in Germany. How far are you away from this goal? Look, I don't know. SAP is not really giving me the numbers in order to compare, but this is clearly uh, the target. Yeah? I think we, we are in the faster-growing market. We have the better culture. We have the better product. And definitely, we have the better people. So it's a question of time. To, um, and, and we grow faster. All things that, that you can read if you see our annual or quarterly results. So it's just a question of time. Um, and that again helps attracting talents. Um, it's probably not so much on your view, but when, when, when competitors of ours are a- announcing a program that they are quitting employees older than 55, this is also an attractive market to me. People with a lot of knowledge, with a lot of network that I can hire. So yeah, but this is, this is plan yeah um, salesforce.com will be the largest german software company which also means people accept that salesforce.com germany is a german company and not a daughter of an american company which for the most people in mind
0: is still so very interesting topic like uh, is it that they all see you as a just part of the, the international business of salesforce and and how is it I think you are part of the international business, so, but it's, it's cre- interesting that you want to brand yourself as a German company.
1: Look, I, I call it the chapters that we've been, and I told you, I've, I've really started early with Salesforce here in Germany. Uh, and, and that's what I'm calling chapter one. In chapter one, we decided we're building Salesforce.com in Germany, which means we're stealing DNA out of San Francisco and rebuilding the same thing here in order to copy success. And that was very good for us in Chapter 1. And Chapter 1 brought us to a certain level. We had our reference customers. We had a, a, um, awareness on the market. Um, but we heard from the market that we needed to become more local, using more German, using German data centers, using German partners. So oh. that's the day that we decided we start for Chapter 2, which is building Salesforce Germany for German DNA with a german language with german values with our own ideas on how we can make the society in germany a bit better and we haven't spoken about our one 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 program but part of of our dna is also to see business as a platform for improving the state of the world um and and we had to take a decision on where we focus in germany because the one thing you learn in Salesforce is once you focus on your target once you know what you want you're going to be successful so we always if you see someone from salesforce this person is always looking for focus how can we focus what's the best thing to invest on? In?
0: very interesting and we will come can come back to to one 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 but one thing that interests me because i think it's hard to understand if i don't talk to you um how much Independence? Do you have from the from the US brand? So if when you say we want to build up German DNA and uh, we want to innovate by ourselves, and of course in collaboration with the US brand, but like how independent are you, and how much do you have to talk to the the management uh, that uh, lives in the US? Um, we are obviously part of Salesforce, and um, there's things
1: that we better don't change, like we won't change the logo. It's too much value. Yeah? And we can't change the products because most of the development is in the U.S. But when it comes to the go-to-market, how we approach customers, uh, do we approach them directly or through partners? Um, what is the setup that we're giving ourselves to how to approach the Mittelstand? There's no other country in the world that can teach us how to approach Mittelstand because this kind of Mittelstand is nowhere else than in Germany. So that is area where I have a lot of freedom. Yeah, in building the right go-to market here in Germany. Um, changing the, uh, uh, some sentences by keeping the, the, the right mindset is, is totally okay. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, if Mark, and I know Mark one day said, SAP is an innovation-free company, it's nothing that I would repeat here. What I would repeat here, what I would say here is I would ask you, tell me the last innovation that came from SAP in order to help you understanding that that might be um, the case. So that that's how we Germanize um, the message a bit. Yeah, Go to market. Obviously, I have to prove that what we do is the right thing to do. And the best, the best thing you can prove is bring the results, growing faster than others. Um, but there's that, that's an area where we have a lot of freedom.
0: Very interesting, because it's always hard to, to understand how the relationships are and how you are able to decide and you are not. Um, one thing you mentioned um, a bit before um, was about innovation, and innovation attracts people as one of the four core values, as all of them do in uh, together. But I know there is no cooking recipe for um, innovating, but what do you do? How do you question yourself all the time to make sure that you innovate? Um, I, I
1: think this is, this is a team sport. Innovation is not coming from one person. And what we really do is we, we ask people to take calculated risk, try new things, take risk, calculated risk. Yeah. Don't um burn our values. Yeah. Uh stay within our values, but then try new things. Um look to the market. Listen to your customer. Your customer will tell you what they need in the future. Mm-hmm. And that's where most of the innovation comes from, yeah. Is is listening on the market. Where's the market going? Aligning it with with, with the values and then forcing development to do to, to the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, at the same time we need to develop our culture further and further um, and that's also again listening to people uh, ask for feedback ask for um, what we should change The one thing that I love to do is is I'm, I'm I'm kind of trying to talk to every new employee within the first month or so uh, as long as they have a beginner's mind. And ask them of what others do better, what uh, we could learn, what could have been done better. Yeah, and this is something that is, is part of our DNA. Um, this I have a picture of satisfaction being zufrieden in German, and this picture is laid back in in, in, a, in a in a sofa, and relaxing, and. I, I don't have that picture. I might be happy with something, but I'm always looking, is there something that we can improve? Can we make the life of our customer easier? Can we make an event more enjoyable? Can we help employees better? Yeah. This, is, this is the thinking that you need to foster.
0: Now, there would be some people that uh, would stand up right now and say, okay, uh you can listen to the customer. Like I talked to Guy Kawasaki, for example, and what he says is, if you listen to the customer and imp- then you improve your product, if you want to innovate, you need to do something different. How do you see this statement? That's that's what Steve Jobs said. What Guy Kawasaki says, like they they see they say, okay, you can you can improve and be more efficient if you listen to the customer, but the customer doesn't always know what he or she wants. Uh, how would you see that?
1: Totally agree with that. Um, I, I, no, no, it's not a totally agree. I wouldn't say that you can't innovate by listening. Yeah. Um, people calling sliced bread an innovation because some, yeah, and, and it, what is the innovation? There was a bread, there was a knife before. The combination of the two was an innovation, yeah. Um, so I wouldn't go that far as saying you can't innovate by just listening, you can yeah especially if you listen a lot to different people and you follow the trends on the market and see a trend in one industry and and think about how that could influence other industries Um, and 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 the rest is is probably right you need to have a couple of clever brains bringing together and and collaborate on those ideas and, and how we, that can make a difference.
0: One other thing that you mentioned that I think was very interesting before I come to 111 is um, smaller medium enterprises in German Mittelstand. Um, because, and you mentioned it, it's not that it really exists in so many other other countries, so nobody can teach you about it. And I think in, in the communication about success or target groups for for companies, everybody's talking about startups and corporates, but even in Germany, a lot of people forget that the Mittelstand is out there, and that uh, you could target them, and that they might be a very attractive uh, customer um, target group. When did you des- did you did you focus on them from the beginning on, or is it now that it becomes more and more focus um, for Salesforce Germany to to um, tap into that market? And how is it different from for example startups or corporates to talk with the mittelstand
1: a uh, couple of answers to that um, did we focus middle from the beginning no yeah um the, the the beginning we had was okay how can we copy dna how can we copy what the us made successful and the most success we had in the us was with high-tech companies local likes of ours and startups so that's where we had a focus on. Okay. And then we decided we now have to build lighthouse accounts. So reference customers that are giving the lighthouse signal that there is something else on the market that you can buy. So we started with the, with the real large ones to invest into DAX companies in order to have those lighthouse companies. Because I can tell you, selling in Germany is pretty difficult if you don't have German references. So we built that. And then the next thing we did is we built it on industries in order to make it, solutions scalable, and yeah, so that they not only fit one company, they fit the whole industry, to solve the problem of a whole industry. And then a couple of years ago, we, we kind of had the startup scene pretty much owned, and we had more than half of the DAX accounts, that we said, okay, we now focus on the family-owned business, and, I don't like this expression of Mittelstand too much because this is 3 million of companies that fall. And if you want to focus, you better don't focus on 3 million of companies. So the next thing we're focusing now is the uh, hidden champions. So those 1300 world market leaders that Germany has, family-owned, somewhere around um, and building the next level of lighthouse in the Mittelstand.
0: Very interesting. How would you say it differs from from corporates and startups?
1: Um, Where the large enterprises are very much commercially driven, culture is very important to those Milchstein companies. An alignment of culture is, is much more of interest with those companies than it is with the DAX companies. They, they, they know you as a company, they trust you, but they probably don't align really by value. Right. Mittelstand companies like to understand whether you are aligned with their values and whether you support their values as well. Um, secondly, mo- a lot of them are still family-owned, so you have a management that is not on a three-year contract, okay. is probably a bit long-term oriented, and is taking a decision for a longer future. So you have a different... Um, i wouldn 't say you have a different sales cycle, but you have to have a different sales story because you 're addressing a longer term and you 're addressing a transformation over a longer term that 's maybe a bit different um, they 're approaching the same problems yeah they also want to be customer centric they also want to make it easier for their customers to buy they also want to deliver a better service they also want to um, have service as a unique selling point in order to different from their competitors. Um, so, it, it's not that much from their processes, their problems, their challenges. It's more from fitting culture and responsibility. And they are also those that are looking more for the German sales force, yeah? with German partners, with German data centers, uh, that also takes responsibility for the German society. When we met in Berlin, you probably you, you left before, before we had the evening uh, keynote about values, yeah? There were German uh, Mittelstand companies with me, CEOs of German Mittelstand companies with me on the stage, uh, talking about that companies together protect values of equality, diversity. Um, because we don't see them well protected in the moment by those that used to protect them. So we as a company decided that we stand up and this is one of the values that we we here in germany decided we put efforts uh, on education and integration
0: talking about values and to making sure they are aligned with the other company sometimes you might have one or two values that are not a hundred percent your focus or you have different opinions on is it like you're in my opinion, two options. Do you bend your reality a bit, that it might work? Or do you say, okay, we are not 100% aligned, we do not work with you?
1: That depends. We have four core values. Mm -hmm. We don't negotiate those four. Mm -hmm. We have value five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And we might be uh, adjusting on those. But we just decided that we don't sell our software anymore to companies that produce automatic weapons because that is not aligned with us. We don't believe that it's ethical to use artificial intelligence for those companies. So we decided not to provide our our licenses anymore to those companies. We wouldn't negotiate on our four top uh, values. Yeah, no way. Then we better don't make business.
0: It's very interesting because I think a lot of, um, I think this is more for younger people, but a lot of other people will listen as well. And some might have startups and some will, try to get any customer and might not talk to people who produce automatic weapons, but also in their case, it might be that someone just not really aligns with them in their values, but they just make it to, to make the sale to to have the money in the bank. So it's, it's very important to understand that you don't always have to take the money, but you can also decline a customer, not because somebody wants to buy. It's always about... Look, short-term money can be very poisoned, yeah? If you take a short-term
1: money and then uh, you get, especially in this type of social where news are spreading around the world very fast, um, you can be part of a shitstorm because one of your partners, your customers, is not behaving ethically. Then that short-term money is very poisonable. Uh, that's why I'll. I, I would hardly. Um, I would strongly recommend not to um, violate the the core values.
0: It's very interesting. It's a lot of people take short term money, and it's so important to say that it's sometimes maybe not the best idea. And of course, it's always hard if you if you need money and you have the opportunity. But thinking about it and uh, thinking, okay, how would the relationship with this company person whatever look like in three six 12 18 months and then already try to pre-consider what could happen or if you can think of a relationship for a longer term is very important and a lot of people miss out on it and i would not say that i'm i'm a person that always thinks that long term and thinks about everything but it happens to all to all of us but it's so important to to mention it over and over
1: and, and and once again, I personally can't totally understand because I think the the number one, the values change throughout your aging, yeah. And also the, the needs are changing throughout your your aging. And for me today it's much easier to talk about values than it was probably thirty years ago. Um is always at a different stage. I was more me-focused with my career, my salary, my vacation, um, where today I have a different view. Yeah? Today I'm a father of four. Today I have um, a pretty big ecosystem that depends on, on my decisions. And that really made things changing. And um, I can only thank all the people that helped me to, to to change myself and gave feedback so that I could learn. Um, the biggest value that people can give to you is probably feedback, honest feedback.
0: Honest feedback is also a thing. Like A lot of people would feedback you but would not feedback 100% honestly. So you have to, and I think that also what defines friends and family quite well is um, to th- to think about the people that would give you radical feedback even when you don't want to hear it. Because then you know, okay, um, the relationship is at a stage where they or that you can trust a person re, uh, on a on a on a high level. So, how do you how do you act on constructive feedback that might be not one hundred percent what you want to hear?
1: Look, it's never easy to to hear unexpected feedback or feedback that you don't want to hear, but it's the the best gift that someone can give you. Um, there's there's plenty of people that trying to tell me, and and they're trying to tell me what they believe I want to hear. It's exactly what I don't want to hear. Because if they tell me what I want to hear, it's just that they tell me what I already know. Um, You only learn from honest feedback. And then you have to take a decision whether you take the honest feedback and change behavior, or you disagree and don't change but without the feedback, you don't even have the choice. So number one is you get the feedback. Number two, if you don't value feedback and if you don't react on feedback, people will stop giving you feedback. So from my perspective, I don't have a choice of saying thank you for every feedback I'm getting and, and then acting uh, accordingly. Um, there's no choice. Otherwise, this, this source of, of growth, of, of, of wisdom will stop. If people don't see that you're acting on feedback and, and taking feedback serious, um, so do I always react uh, the right way on feedback? Probably no. There's no ma- no no one on the on. The, but I do really have a lot of respect for people that give honest feedback. And if I feel I haven't reacted well in the first moment, and you might not react well because it's emotional or it's, it's you feel defended. Like, um, um
0: Defending yourself yeah I have to defend
1: myself then after a time I call people and say sorry wrong wrong reaction you did the right thing I was wrong and that's something that you have to do is, is, is being honest again playing into our top value of trust yeah if you don't do so you don't get the trust of people
0: having the courage to say I'm made a mistake uh t- i think take some self-awareness and and time to to develop so very interesting and very important of course uh this a question that i have is i totally agree that uh, feedback is very important and then i think about okay how do you incorporate and uh, enable people to give honest feedback inside of your company because it's not only valuable for you as a person but also for you as a company so how are there methods strategies uh, habits that you have that help people feel um, that they can give you honest feedback or inside of the company at all
1: we're coaching this feedback culture and we're asking for this feedback culture Um, nevertheless we do see people that might not have the self-confidence of giving feedback, and therefore we have we have created an app for the employees that they can give anonymous feedback, so that the information at least lands with me. I might not know whom to thank, but at least I have the information, which is really important. And that has been used heavily. Yeah, so uh, for both things, for critical feedback, but also for positive feedback. Yeah, keep doing something. Yeah. Um, very rarely uh, i saw that in, in former companies very rarely that you're saying to someone of a different division keep doing something yeah because you meet at a meeting you, you split up you forgot to say thank you yes what a great presentation keep doing it yeah and that's something that we that we really push for doing
0: very interesting something i would definitely um, tell everybody to to focus on and to to think about how to implement it and one other question and we but or one referral to something that we had before and I would love to and we we had it before we started the interview already but you mentioned 111 can you elaborate on that and tell the listener what 111 does mean for for Salesforce and what are you doing with it
1: Okay, Um, as said we believe that business should be must be a platform for change and making the world a bit better So we have salesforce.com with our commercial arm. And we have salesforce.org with our NGO arm. And 1% of of, of equity, 1% of products, and 1% of the time of the people that work at salesforce.com, we give to salesforce.org. And salesforce.org is using those resources, money, products, and time, to support other NGOs uh, in, in in their approaches to make the world a bit better, whether we support uh, UNESCO, whether we support the uh, the uh, Red approach, um, all of the, the we have some centralized organizations that we support. Um, as a country, we have made the decision that we're focusing on organizations that we support that provide integration support or education support. Because we believe the biggest things that we can help here, or that that needs to be changed in Germany and supported, is integrating people. Uh, If we don't tell people that arrive here what we expect, it's difficult for them to integrate. If we don't tell Germans what they have to expect if someone new comes in, it's difficult to integrate. And education is the best step. help integrating so that's where we are focusing on there's plenty of other things that we're doing Um, my boss is just in kenya uh, working with with kenya kids on the school and and educating them Um, so all of us have special projects but here in germany we're focusing with the with the money that we're getting out of the equity products and the people um focusing on, on, on
0: education and, and integration. Do you talk about numbers regarding what are the 1% that you give to salesforce, salesforce.org? We do
1: talk about numbers. I don't have them in mind. I think we are giving more than 100 million worldwide per year. Uh, we've spent so far more than a million of working hours. And I don't have a number.
0: But I will provide those numbers to you. So it's okay. It's fine. I just wanted to just give um, an, some some perspective. Enormous, yeah, it's okay. yeah. crazy, crazy. Yep. Another question that I have, just for the understanding, is like, do you manage .org and .com, or are you for .com and somebody else is managing uh, .org, and they are two de- separate businesses? These are two separate organizations, but um, do they come together with they your come position? With okay, just for understanding, because. It, it sounds like .org separated and then you w- can't really tell if it's your thing.
1: It, it was one, then it was separated. And since four or five months, it's one again.
0: Regarding the future of Salesforce, what are you especially looking for right now? What are you focusing on? What are you looking for? And um, if, whatever, somebody would listen to this um What profile does he need to to fill that um, it might be interesting in reaching out to you or somebody else at Salesforce?
1: Um, My focus is on pipeline. Mm -hmm. Pipeline of talents, developing talents, uh, attracting talents, and then developing talents and make sure they don't leave here. That's that's my number one focus. Um, Number two, I can help the people that work here in discussions with other CEOs, building pipeline with those, helping companies to to build their digital transformation story. Uh, Why? Because the experience is here. We we, we are doing digital transformation uh, since 15 years. Um, We have 100,000 of customers that we helped with digital transformation. So we have that experience, and, and, and people talk to us. Um, I have to admit that you don't typically talk to the system administrator of a system about digital transformation. The person that is in charge of the transformation of a company is typically the CEO. So that that is the other focus I'm having, talking to CEOs oh. and helping them to understand that they don't have a choice. Digitalization will not go away. Yeah, They either use digitalization as a complete new approach to the market or they're going to lose the market. Yeah, Someone who sees digitalization as another step of automation and want to gain 3% productivity out of that will lose the market. Because others will build an interface between infrastructure and customer and gain the margin over here. Um, I told before we're hiring like hell. So everybody who listens and want to join, more than welcome. Yeah, we have a dual study program, and we still have seats for this year available. So if you want to start your dual study studio in September, um, the, the lady to contact is Maria. Uh, by the way,
0: I will put in the career side.
1: Yeah. By the way, she was my EA before the one that was CMO. Yeah. So the There's a history of of developing talents. Um, We have a program, Graduate Force, for people that have done their master's. Uh, We are hiring like hell. The, the, The kind of people that we want are people that are passionate. That's number one. The second thing, they have to love customers because we love our customers. And I'm always saying in interviews, the customer needs to see on the glue of your eyes that you're from salesforce yeah the passion has to come over the knowledge has to come the self-confidence confident so your
0: eyes transform into a cloud in light blue <laughs> sometimes yeah
1: um so that's important passion um innovation and then i cannot tell it often enough if you fit to our four values, if you think trust is important, if you think innovation is important, if you think customer success is important, if you believe in equality, then you're probably a very good fit. If you want to join probably the fastest-growing company in our size, um, you, you have a career page. I just learned where you put the contact data in.
0: Yeah, I, will, I will put your Salesforce career page yeah. in, and then uh, they yeah. can... But more than welcome. Yeah, there's so many talents that we need,
1: and happy to get them all on board.
0: Yeah, as I heard that you double in size, I will. I thought maybe this is a good good spot to talk about it. Yeah, um, a few last questions. I think three. Um, I w- they are pretty short. They will round up the interview a bit and I will ask them to everybody, um, who is on the podcast. Um, one person that inspired your career um, that comes into your mind first. Uh, probably is two,
1: yeah. Uh, Mark really changed my thinking, yeah. From being focused, Mark is uh, the founder of states. M- first, Mark, right? Mark Bandyov, yeah. Because um, uh, he suddenly came and said, "If everything is important, nothing is important," and and being focused is is very important. And then one of my first managers was a female, mm-hmm. and she trained me thinking different, and she made me open for this diversity thing that. Different thinking, different uh, opinion is very important. I think these are the two, except from a family that is challenging me every day.
0: Yeah? One quote that comes into your mind that you would love to share with the audience?
1: One quote? No. Oof. Um, I, I think, uh, quote, yeah? I, I take myself not as that important yeah I, I i always try to not to be too egocentric and, and and thinking about me i'm trying also to to be able to laugh about me yeah and to take feedback and, and and get feedback that's for me the most important thing uh, i've i've promised that i will resign at salesforce today that i haven't learned anything new or didn't heard a good joke yeah, so that's just the two things that are important to me when it comes to work: is learning and laughing. Yeah.
0: And the last, but l- not least, question: um, What is the book that you gave away the most to other people? <laughs> Mark
1: Benioff's book.
0: Yeah, because we're giving giving it nearly every c- a visitor here. Okay. Uh, Isn't he writing a new one right now? Or I, is I don't it-
1: think it's official. I think it's it's, it's coming out um, in a few weeks.
0: That's yeah. why I, I, I thought about how do I get him onto the podcast? <laughs> because I know when people publish books, they are more than likely to, to attend other, other podcasts or, or things that have a reach. So I thought about it. And that's why I know that he publishes a book.
1: Yeah, so he's publishing a new book, but this is probably the book that I gave out most. Um, and the other thing is probably Die kleine Raupe Nimmersatt. Because I like that book and I'm giving it to a lot of friends that are getting kids. Yeah, because it's a nice
0: story to read. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So, Joachim, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to interview you and to have you on the podcast. I think there are a lot of great and valuable information in here that uh, people might not know or might be interested in. And I'm very, very thankful for the time. I wish you yeah, a great journey with doubling in size. And maybe we talk during the process or afterwards again, and uh, see how it goes. And um, thank you for the time. Have a great journey.
1: I can only echo that. Yeah, uh, it was
0: pleasure talking to you,
1: and I have a lot of respect for you. Yeah, it's. It, I, if I when I was in your UH, age, I wouldn't have the. Oliver Card balls yeah, to, do, to those podcasts and to talk to, to managers. Uh, I have a lot of respect for you and the way how you manage that. So um, it was a pleasure for me and I'm, I'm really thankful that you selected me.
0: It took me three years of interviewing founders until I got to the managers and was like, okay, I feel comfortable now. <laughs> Thank you very much again. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. I really loved interviewing Joachim. It was a pleasure to sit there in Munich. We're, we were having a great view from the top floor at the Salesforce headquarter, the Munich one. And it was such fun because he's such a cool guy and very open about nearly everything. And I think it was very clear that he shared some stuff that is sometimes hard to find. But also some insights that might help everybody who is working in a German market, wants to tap into the German market or thinks about attracting talent and a lot of other topics in the podcast covered that might help you for your business. Besides that, I link down below everything that's, of course, uh, mentioned in the podcast and would love to introduce you to the next guest, a very special one, in my opinion. He is definitely the best storyteller I have met so far. He is normally an interviewer, so, he's taking my role most of the times. He interviewed personalities like Muhammad Ali, Gorbachev. Um, who do we take next? There are so many people that he interviewed that I'm just confused who to pick. But a lot of, a lot of, a lot of great people. And he wrote the What I Learned Colum- column for Esquire magazine and also Richard Branson, other entrepreneurs, etc. He interviewed completely different different people and he became quite famous because of an interview that Tim Ferriss recorded with him because he is definitely also very good in asking questions. And I met Kel Fossman at Tech Open Air in Berlin. So thank you to Toa for introducing me to Kel and giving me the opportunity to record it. There were like 30 people sitting inside the room as well. So it was a lot of fun, a lot of great stories. And here's one of them for you. Before I give you a short introduction to the next podcast interview with the snippet and the story that he told, Kel, um, thank you very much up front. But you can reach me during Instagram or LinkedIn. I'll link it in the show notes. And if you think that this podcast offers value to Some of your friends or colleagues, feel free to share it. Share it on social media if you like. I would be more than happy. And if I can do something for you, please reach out to me. You'll find all the information below. Thank you very much. Here is a snippet with Kel Fussman.
1: Well, it probably starts with that story I told about the president answering my letter. Uh, It seems strange, but... if. That letter hadn't been passed along to get to the president's office to his personal secretary, Juanita D. Roberts. Maybe I wouldn't be here today. I don't don't know what would have happened. But I knew as soon as I got a letter back that my life was going to be framed by questions. And every step of the way has just been more curiosity and more questions.